talking all things Disney. With your hosts, El John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to another episode of Skull Rock Podcast, where every week we'll be talking all things Disney and pop culture from never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and so much more. I am your co-host, Al John Go, musician, longtime Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars pop culture fan, fanboy, and I'm joined <laughs> by my illustrious co-host. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Bossard. <laughs> I'm an artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to our podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can email us at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And Yay, there's some applause for you. What a week. What a week. Huh? It's been, a, it's been a, a crazy week. And I know that we've got some headline news. We've got some pop culture, of course, all kinds of Disney and, and entertainment news. But um, I would like to say this, you know, we, like Dave said, we encourage everyone to email us. You can message us over, over social, but there's a way that people can leave us voicemail to play on the show. And uh, if you download the anchor.fm app, you can go ahead and leave us a voicemail and it's really just super simple like that. So just uh, download the app. We'll have a link in the show notes so that your voice can be heard on this show asking the questions. You know, uh, we had a lot of really cool responses saying, man, I'm subscribed. I'm subscribed. And if that wasn't enough, we have our first supporter, Dave. Really? We have our first supporter on the show. Lindsay, you are a top fan. You've always been a top fan of every one of our podcasts. That's uh, the Disney list that I host with my wife, Kristen, also the Dining at Disney podcast. And she is a huge supporter. So she gets a gold star. She is our our supporter here for the show. And uh, you can also give us your monthly support as well uh, on Anchor. And once again, the links will be in the show notes. Skull Rock Podcast, this week in Disney and pop culture. This is our second show, and uh, this has been just a lot of fun. Just this entire journey has been a lot of fun, and uh, and I'm enjoying it. And I actually got some questions sent to me through social media. Awesome. Uh, which is fabulous. And so we'll get to those later on. But really, I think this past week there was some very sad news uh, that came through uh, on the music front with the loss of Eddie Van Halen. I don't even know what to say. Uh, I can tell you this: that I was, I was really taken back. Still trying to process it, and it's when you see a giant of the industry like that who transcended music, who transcended guitar playing, who transcended, it just became a fabric of pop culture. 
it's a quite a shock, but me being involved, uh, you know, with building guitars and actually associated, actually, you know, build and make guitars for the Kramer brand, which is, um, which is his guitar brand early on in his career, the early Van Halen records. And, um, I, I was very speechless. The, the moment I heard about it, I had a friend of mine from work message me and said, can you believe the news? And my heart sunk. Cause that's never good. Right. Mm, you know, whether yeah. it's someone, you know, a loved one, whatever. And then he sent me the link and I said, you have got to be kidding me. And so you find out, uh, Edward Van Halen, um, passed away 65 years of age, uh, complications due to throat cancer. And he had been on the mend several years ago. He had part of his uh, tongue surgically removed and, you know, he had a long battle, long stint, um, going into rehab, you know, a lot of musicians of that era did. He was signed at a very early age, um, trained musician with him and his brother and that band Van Halen, um, you know, rock and roll royalty, as far as I'm concerned, uh, rock and roll hall of famers, of course. Well, he's, he's also one of the top, uh, would you say top five guitarists of all time? He is, well, he is the number one guitar player in my book of all time. And I think number two, you know, Hendrix for me, but then again, I grew up in a different era, right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think if, if I were to put him on my Mount Rushmore and I say this and I, well, I actually, I'll say this, you know, there is, there is God. And then there's the guitarist that sits at the right and the left hand of God. And that is Jimi Hendrix and Eddie Van Halen. There you go. I mean, really, that's how I feel. And it's not even a Mount Rushmore. I mean, you can talk about the Mount Rushmore's being, you know, uh, you could talk about, you you can make a case for everybody else. But I think the two people that always will belong in that list is Hendrix and Van Halen. You could Mm. put a BB King up there. You could put a slash up there. You could put, you know, a um, uh, Chuck Berry in there. You could put Jimmy Page on there. You can put Jeff Beck on there. I mean, the list goes, Eric Clapton, of course, Uh, Eric Clapton. And Alan here, telling you, keep playing, man. Gotta keep playing. It's the only thing there is. Music, man. Keep playing. All right? I believe you can judge a person's contribution to pop culture by how many ships this person has launched. How many people had this person influenced over time? Much like a Walt Disney. Yeah. Walt Disney has touched so many. Now, there when it comes to great American storytellers, Dave, and you and I probably, I don't even know if we talked about this, but I, I hold Walt Disney much like yourself and our listeners in such high regard, because I believe he is one of the, the modern day, great American storytellers. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, not only was he a great storyteller, he was a great casting director. He really knew how to put different artists with different sensibilities together to create some of the most magnificent things that uh, uh, this world has seen. You know, not just in the animated films, but theme park attractions, you know, those immersive theme park uh, attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean or the Haunted Mansion and so many others. Uh, So I completely agree with you. Yeah. You know, and so, so I feel Walt Disney, people like Walt Disney, true visionaries, Walt Disney, George Lucas, 
right? A Stan Lee, when you, and you know, sure. a, a Jim Henson, when it comes to great American storytellers. And I believe Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen, great American rock band. One, yeah. one of the greatest. I feel that there was so much pop culture. It's like Aerosmith, right? I mean, you had the Beatles, you had the Stones. America had Aerosmith and Van Halen, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they transcended everything. And I, hey, yeah. The one thing I was going to ask you about, uh, because, you know, I obviously read some of the articles that came out and saw some of the stories on uh, Van Halen this past week, but, um, Talk a little bit about the uh, guitar technique, uh, the thumping of the fingers yeah. uh, on the strings. I mean, what, I don't even know what that's called, but can you can you describe what that is? You're a guitarist. Sure. It's it's called the two hand tap, a double handed okay. tap. So what what Eddie had done is typically when you play the guitar, you have the the guitar pick or your fingers plucking the strings around the sound hole, and then you fret the note as you would be playing a piano. You just put your finger and hold down the the, the string uh, in between those two wires there that are called frets, and then you make a noise and make a sound. Well, what Eddie did was instead of plucking with, he would employ that regular technique, but then he would go a step further and put his finger on a on the other fret, and he would make other other sounds by 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 almost playing it like a piano got it so um so instead and he of, was yeah. he was hitting the strings too yeah right? he was at, when you when you when you hit the string when you when you hammer the string with your finger you make yeah. a noise you depress it and it and it automatically rings out so what you would do is you would hit with just enough pressure for the note to ring out and then you could literally make all kinds of different uh tap like a hammer you see how a uh, a piano works is the strings sure. are all laid out and stretched out. And then it hit, the individual notes get hit by a hammer. Well, imagine if that hammer was your finger. Yeah. That's exactly what Eddie Van Halen would do. And he would move up and down the string. Like, and, and of course, Eddie's also a very accomplished pianist. So he was trained classically by his father, Jan. Uh, they came over from Amsterdam, he and his brother, his family. And he actually started playing the drums his brother started playing guitar. Then they swapped uh, playing instruments, and it was just a magical thing. After that, they started playing high school gymnasiums, and yeah. all and, and their the their same. father uh, he was a clarinetist. If That's I, right. If I remember correctly, That's right? right? Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, if with. you yeah, if it, he was just he would just played in big bands and and orchestras and things. But uh, here's a cool thing: so they actually had his father play on the Diver Down record that came out in the early '80s. And he played in a, a little bit of a, a little acoustic, you know, swing number. Uh, it was definitely not a Van Halen song. It's called Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now. It's a little jazz number. And his father played a clarinet solo on it. Wow. Yeah. That's, so, a, yeah. that's a bit of trivia. That is a bit of trivia there. But, you know, I mean, I've got <laughs> right behind me, I've got a bookshelf full of just Van Halen books and my Star Wars books. They're all in the same place. So. Um, well, I mean, I, I just thought it was sad news and, and certainly very young. I mean, anybody who goes at 65, uh, I mean, you know, at this point, anybody who goes before they're 80 uh, is too young, you yeah. know? It's true. Um, you know, my my mom uh, 
would celebrate seven years of her anniversary of her passing uh, on Monday. And, mm. you know, she was born the same day as Eddie and everything. And it's just, you know, gone too soon. Just really. How just, old, how old was she when she passed? Oh, she was 70. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, She was 70. Wow. She, you know, but, but she, um, but she, uh, she lived a great life and she was also a Van Halen fan. She, well, she that, uh, that's great. Yeah. We would listen. My, I mean, my, my folks were definitely great. I know my dad got pulled over listening to Van Halen um, uh, in the eighties. You know, he's like, I, I said, I, I was a teenager and I said, dad, why are you late picking me up? He goes, well, I got pulled over. I said, were you playing my Van Halen cassette? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah. My parents are really cool. They turned me on to Van, my, my mom liked rock and soul. So she played the Commodores and, and Van Halen and, and, um, Oh, what else she liked? She liked Led Zeppelin. My dad was more of the R and B surf rock guy, so he played Al Green and and uh, Adventures and stuff. But music was always a part of my life, and I'm sure Dave, like you, I mean, you know, I know you're you're a big music fan. You growing up in Long Island, you you listen to Billy Joel and all kinds of folks over there. Well, not only Billy Joel, but Twisted Sister Twisted, was right. Uh, uh, was from Long Island. I remember seeing them at a uh, uh, a club called Hammerheads in yeah. Levittown, Long Island. <laughs> Uh, before they really made it big there, you know, it was, it was one of those uh, uh, clubs that had live bands on the weekends and uh, you know, so, some, somewhat like the uh, whiskey a go-go out here. Absolutely. You know? uh, yeah. My band played the whiskey. I love that. Did you? We did. Wow. We did. That's but, awesome. But, um, but I love that twisted sister documentary. I know we're taught, we're going off on a tangent with pop culture and yeah. music, but it really is, you know, it's really a thing. Do you have a particular favorite Van Halen song? Dave, you, you know, I mean, honestly, when you just asked that, the uh, jump came to mind. I, I mean, you know, it's such a high energy song, uh, and that that fabulous photo of of Eddie, you know, up in the air with his legs spread apart playing his guitar. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, that I I sort of have that image of him forever burned in my head. He's iconic. There was no one like him. Uh, I and you're right. I mean, Jump was released late 83, moving into 1984. And the two biggest albums of 1984 were Thriller and 1984 by Van Halen. Coincidentally, everyone may, may or may not know this, but the, you know, Michael Jackson's hit song, um, you know, um, uh, Beat It featured yeah. Michael Jackson on, um, no, Mike, featured Eddie Van Halen on electric guitar. Uh that's right. And yeah, it really yeah. broke down the barriers uh, of black artists play getting played on MTV it was one of the, one of the, uh, yeah. one of those things, you know, MTV, if you look at those documentaries, you know, was very much a, a rock and roll crowd. And then they were being criticized for not playing enough R and B artists. And then here comes Michael Jackson and beat it came out perfect timing and the world was never the same. And, uh, Never was. Yep. Well, you know, it's a very sad passing, but there was also a lot of other news this week. There is, uh, man, oh. I, I, there is so much of that. Let's just go ahead and, and hit this. Ripped from the headlines, it's Skull Rock Podcast Headline News. Wow. The movie business will also never be the same again, Dave. It, it will not be. It's, it's just, you know, one blockbuster 
tentpole movie after another is being yanked from the uh, schedule mm-hmm. and uh, and and Sinmark, uh, the UK based uh, theater chain that has a bunch of theaters here in the US has basically shuttered all of their theaters until this thing uh, ends. Fortunately, AMC isn't doing that and you know other other theater chains are, are, are trying to stay open but I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you stay open if you're not getting those big movies? And you know, we just we just heard that uh, Pixar, Disney Pixar's Soul, is uh, is going to go direct to Disney Plus uh, on Christmas Day. It's sad. Um, a talked on your la- on the last show of how m- much you go to the movies, Dave. Of course, it's a part of the fabric of who you are. Filmmaker, you know, your work with animation and film over the years, that's your that's your work. And, and I'm a, and I'm a movie fan. Yeah, I mean, you're a movie I love, fan. I love the movies. Right. And you know, my wife and I are the same way. We love we love going to the movies, but how do you bring people to a theater when you don't have new content? And yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, it was very surprising to me. Like I, I didn't, I didn't mind the fact that they were going to uh, put soul onto Disney plus, but I thought to myself, why not give it to the theaters that are open and let them play it on the big screen uh, and just do it simultaneously. And, you know, they're not upcharging uh, uh, for soul uh, on Disney plus, um, like they did with Mulan, you know, when they put Mulan on Disney Plus, they they were upcharging everybody twenty nine ninety five for that. Uh, but Soul is is not going down that that road. Uh, they are just going to put it up, and you can watch it as part of the service. I think with services like Amazon and Apple and just every streaming service, Hulu, what have you. They are paying top dollar for theater quality content. And I think that was the one thing as Disney fans, some Disney fans, not all, but some were criticizing Disney about because they were saying, why should I pay for early access when I should get it as part of the service? I, I'm, I'm going into Netflix now and I get a whole season of Stranger Things. It's new content, not recycled content. It's not stuff I could see in the theater. Or I get a brand new film, like, for example, Bright with Will Smith, right? So right. You, 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 you watch the film. It's specifically made for that. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that Disney didn't intend for this to happen. No one did. And I feel, I feel the same way, Dave. You can still service theaters and, and give people options and still support the industry. And maybe there is a way for the industry to now take in consideration day and date delivery through streaming added with the box office revenue for those films to have some type of impact in a quote unquote box office uh, number. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have to tell you for me personally, even if it was, you know, free as part of, you know, the streaming service, uh, there's, there's certain films I'm just going to sit there and go, you know what? I want to go see that on a big screen, um, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and, uh, it's giving the consumer choices, 
and I don't think it's really much sweat off their brow because now everything's digital projection, you know? So it's not like they're striking film prints, you know, which costs a lot, you know, costs money. Um, but, you know, I, I again, I'm not going to second guess their their rationale for it. Uh, but it, it is just sad to see now um, uh, the new Bond movie was supposed to open in November. That's been pushed out into uh, late spring. Uh, and uh, there's uh, the uh, Wonder Woman 1984 from Warner Brothers is, is going out next year. It just seems like I think everybody, all the studios must have gotten spooked because of the tepid box office for uh, Tenet. Tenet. Um, well, which, yeah. you know, didn't do as much as they, they had hoped. But, you know, again, we're in the midst of a pandemic. <clears throat> you know, there's there's no um, playbook for any of this stuff. You know, let me ask you this, Dave. I am one of those fans that love physical media. I love it. I, I was hesitant to be a streaming person, but I mm-hmm. ended up doing it and I find it super convenient. I, I enjoy the quality because I, I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a good high speed internet connection. I'm, I'm, you know, that's great for me, but wouldn't it be great if the fans not only had a choice of consuming the, the movie theater, going to the theater and consuming it that way or streaming it, either paying by a premium or whatever the case or even having a uh, a plan where a family or a person could purchase the uh, premiere access or whatever early access to the film and get the physical medium at the same time and have it delivered or del- get that delivered and add that extra value of having the physical medium. I mean, I think that would so, be. So you still want to get a Blu-ray in the mail? Well, I would. I wouldn't mind paying a premium if I would get added value from it. You know, okay. I feel, you know, there was, so, and and case in point, uh, Pearl Jam had done this and, and it's not just Pearl Jam. There were a lot of bands even prior, you know, back in the day, the Grateful Dead would have tons of people come out and record from their, from their uh, soundboard and have great albums, live albums that you could never capture. Well, Pearl Jam had done something similar uh, years ago where uh, you would purchase a ticket and then you would get uh, for, I guess a premium, you would get a concert ticket uh, uh, or a uh, redeemable thing to get a burned copy of the CD of your concert experience, your particular concert that you attended. This is the audio of it. Which I think is brilliant. I mean, that's awesome. I, I, I'm curious how well that did and how many people took advantage of it. Well, I think you speak to the hardcore fans, right? You speak to the hardcore fans that want that experience and I yeah. think there are still hardcore fans out there. I know that I've got a friend. I was talking yesterday about it, uh, about how they still want to buy the Blu-ray and DVD and then and have a copy on their hard drive and then stream it whenever they want. They don't have to be on the Internet. They can just simply put on the movie whenever they want. You know, I, I view something like that as being like, you know, creating a collectible, you know. Uh, so it's it's not just your standard you know, Blu-ray in a, in a vinyl package or some, you know, a clamshell, uh, but uh, something that's special and collectible and themed to the movie and, you know, and maybe is a limited edition that, you know, has a premium price to it. I think, I, look, I think those kinds of things are absolutely 
you know, wonderful for the fans, uh, whether people internally at, uh, at, at Disney uh, have the wherewithal to, to do something like that. In other words, test it out or, or decide let's do this and see how it goes. I think part, you know, part of the problem sometimes with these big companies is that they've lost the, the, the gut instinct, the let's try this, you know, entrepreneurial uh, kind of quality that was indicative in, you know, the founders, you know, Walt, you know, famously said, you know, we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make movies, you know, and, and it's, you know, he, he, you know, if he had listened to his critics, uh, he never would have opened Disneyland. And if Steve Jobs had listened to market research, he never would have created the iPod. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's like you have to sit there sometimes and you have to go with your gut instinct and say, I so believe in this, I'm going to go forward regardless of what people say. You know, and, you know, you'll make mistakes and you'll course correct and all of those things. But, you know, this is a perfect example. You know, everybody thinks that the DVD or Blu-ray market is is dead, but it's not. And, and just like everybody wrote off vinyl records. Now look at what's happening. You know, I went over to a friend's house um about a week ago and we socially distanced. Uh, but I went over there and, and one of the things that he wanted to show me was he had a brand new turntable installed and, you know, and he dropped big money on this turntable and he had, I mean, he has a massive vinyl collection. And not only that, it's not just from him growing up and saving all of these vinyl records. He's got big box sets that have been newly released. You know, the, uh, the who, uh, mono, uh, the, the mono oh, yeah. recordings oh, heck uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, of the who albums. I mean, you know, he's got all of this stuff and I think that there's a much larger audience out there that again, Gen would generate a revenue stream and the the manufacturing's out of place now where you can do the pressings on demand if you wanted to you know or or you can manufacture in smaller lots and it doesn't cost as much but it just seems to me that it is a you know a a great opportunity uh for for them to be able to offer more to the audience and give the audience choices you dropped a lot of knowledge there, Dave. Let me let me let me back up and say this because I, <laughs> I, I was actually talking about this the other day to somebody because we we're talking about records and physical vinyl, uh, physical medium, media, yeah, and vinyl record sales as of September thirteenth, according to CNN, vinyl record sales surpassed CDs for the first time since the eighties. Wow, that's they how see, how good that, it is right now. Yeah, and, and it's becoming a hip thing to have a turntable again. I've got one. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, I hooked so. it up. And coincidentally, big records are dropping on vinyl, and this comes to us from Billboard. Uh, just recently, Paul McCartney uh, released a record. Right? Did I did I say this yeah. right? Albums I, include I, uh, was it Roger Waters, Paul McCartney, Fleetwood Mac? Okay, 
traditionally album oriented rock artists. And I, when I say sure. AOR, like only like a quarter of our audience might know what AOR radio means. Right. So I do because I was in radio. I was one of the last of those radio people that remembered what AOR <laughs> album oriented rock radio. And I, I go back to talking about pop culture, that movie FM or WKRP in Cincinnati, two great TV shows and FM, by the way, amazing film. I don't know if you remember that film, Dave. Gosh, uh, I I vaguely remember it. It was okay. So that that's your Who, homework. Who's now. in it? Who's in it? Okay. So in FM, it was the precursor to WKRP in Cincinnati, and there was a radio station that was going to get uh, taken over by a big corporation. This corporation was going to change the format of the station, so the rock and roll DJs banded together, and they had a lock in and yes. did pirate radio. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I vaguely remember it. The, yes. the greatest thing about this particular film, okay, was the fact that they staged a stunt where they hijacked Linda Ronstadt's concert from another uh, radio station and broadcast it live on their airwaves that same weekend. And mm. but uh, it, Michael Brandon, Ellen, Ellen Brennan, Alex Karras. Uh, were in the film. Martin Mull, of course, Martin Mull Martin was Mull, in it. Yes, this is Marcel Marceau, Volume One, lo- Side One. I love and, Martin Mull. Well, he's the best, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah Martin Mull. I remember uh, the big scene of his is that this, uh, he was doing something he shouldn't be doing in the uh, DJ booth, and someone came in, and there was dead air on the radio, and then he finally popped over the microphone and goes, "This is Marcel Marceau's new single." <laughs> and for those who don't know, he's a mime, right? And, right. You know, so um, of course there was dead air there, but it's just it's great. But that but that was one thing I was going to say. So vinyl records are in. The other thing that you dropped in, in that um, in that mention was the fact that um, oh shoot, I just had it in the tip of my tongue and I closed my window. But um, I remember going to the theaters, you know, recently for all these great event films. And it was like going to a concert. You would have pop-up stands. And I love this about the theater. You would have pop-up stands selling t-shirts and mugs and posters. Mm -hmm. And so you would go in, you'd buy a bundle of popcorn, you'd buy the kids and everybody. You know, I went with a ton of friends. We went, we've been going to see the Star Wars films for, you know, since the prequels came out in the theater together. And we still get together and do that to this day. Every time there's a new Star Wars movie, we're all getting together and there's like 20 of us and our families are all going and we take up two rows and we buy each other. We just go out and we, we buy Cokes and we do all this. And it was an event and I loved the merchandise pop-up stand. So there is really cool things maybe that could attract people to come out, but you can only do that if your local township is allowing people to gather in places. And, you know, look, that's all going to come back, you know. And again, the great thing about seeing a film in a theater is the social experience, you know, seeing seeing and experiencing a film with, you know, a couple hundred people. I find it exhilarating. And I have to tell you that, you know, when I was working on pictures at Disney Animation, um, you know, towards the end of the 90s, I stopped actually going to rap parties and, uh, you know, premieres of, of, of the films because I just 
thoroughly enjoyed going to the local multiplex and watching a film I worked on when it was released to the theaters and seeing it with a regular audience. You know, to me, that is, uh, it's just a great experience to be able to do that. But, you know, getting back to this, like, you know, doing a um, uh, collectible Blu-ray in a special case or something like that. Honestly, I think that, um, you know, this, this goes to the collectibles in general with Disney is that they tend to flood the market, you know, and they don't, they don't, they, they've lost the focus of, or I don't think they ever actually had the focus on it, but building a secondary market where those things could be traded or sold uh, that, and they go up in value over time because of the scarcity of them. Uh, but, they used uh, to. you know, again, that's something you could do with, uh, you know, putting out the collectible Blu-ray. Yeah, they used to, you know, my wife, Kristen, she collected those Disney, Disney premiere, uh, she was actually part of that collection that had the Disney statues. There were all these nice porcelain statues mm-hmm. and we have a curio cabinet full of them. And she collected that. And, you know, I remember on our anniversary I ended up, she's a big beauty and the beast fan. So she had bell and, and the beast. And then I ended up getting the rest of the characters. I got wardrobe and I have ooh la la. And like, I got you know Cogsworth and everybody. And I gave it to her, but they used to do that. And they used to have a, a sub, like a subscription to it. And then you pay X amount uh, for a year and then you get all the porcelain pieces that go along with it. Sure. It, 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 they could do something, but, but needless to say, I think there's a lot of interesting ways that the film, the theaters could be coming back, offering different experiences. I still believe that things like the fork and dine at AMC is still a really neat thing. I like the fact that I can sit down in a great chair, no obstructed view, awesome sound, and have my dinner with my wife and have a pitcher of beer and just relax, kick back, and enjoy a movie in a great experience. I I do think, and I agree with you on that, but I also think that, you know, the American theater uh, uh, experience has a long way to go uh, to improve. Uh, I think that they, you know, I go to my local uh, multiplex when, 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 you know, before this pandemic, I, like I've always said, I, I go on a almost weekly basis and, and I, year in and year out complain to whoever I'm going to the movie with about, you know, how terrible the concession stand is and how the lines are. And they, you know, some, some of the theater chains have tried change things up and are trying to make that a quicker experience. But, you know, I go to this local one and it it's, it's like, you know, the walking dead behind the counter, it you is. know, in slow motion, you know, it is. Well, they could learn a lot from the bar industry. I think John Taffer from Bar Rescue needs to come in, shut it down, rebuild it so that there are quick stalls. There's there are people that are doing what needs to be done to service guests in a quick and easy way. 
Yeah. That's no, what I, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I completely agree. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to message John Taffer. I'm going to say, John, what would you do to help the theater industry? That I'm, I'm literally going to do that. I'm going to message you, John. You, you, you really should do that because honestly, I, I watch his show bar rescue occasionally and, uh, and he does an amazing job and he's such a knowledgeable guy about service and, you know, in, in the, in the restaurant and, and bar industry. And, and quite frankly, nobody has, none of these theater chains have invested any, uh, it, it seemingly any uh, time or money into, uh, uh, you know, redoing that portion of the experience. And, and by the way, oftentimes I see people on a regular basis, bringing their own drinks and food into the theater, even though it says you shouldn't do that. They're doing it because they don't want to wait online. No, no, no one wants to wait in line because I, I, last time I waited, we went to the theater. Look, we went to a a regular theater and I sat, I sat in line for a good 40 minutes waiting for two tubs of popcorn and two sodas. It was ridiculous. But that's criminal. That, that is, is criminal. criminal. That is criminal. But I tell you what was good. When I went to my drive-in theater, I was in and out of there. I went to the concession stand. We did a double feature. It was all new films. And, you know, we we loved the drive-in. We would drive 40 minutes just to the drive-in and back just so that we could watch the films that we want and have a great, <laughs> great night. Because we love the drive-in. The drive-in is great. Maybe that is the future of theaters, you know. And I, I – I love the drive-in. That's all I can say, Dave. Well, you, you know, you know uh, Al John, the drive-in theater is making a comeback because of the pandemic. It has to, uh, right? And, <laughs> and, and, and and it's and it's really, you know, what's really fantastic. I think, uh, and and I got to tell you, I remember going to the Johnny Allweather drive-in in Amityville, Long Island. Oh, I think my. It, I think that property now is a Home Depot, but the Johnny <laughs> Allweather drive-in, Amityville, Long Island. Island uh, in New York. And boy, I, uh, I went there, it was October. I can't even remember the year, but it was a triple feature. The Hills have eyes. Oh my autopsy. I love it. And I'm trying to remember what the other one, it was another slasher movie, you know? (laughs) Well, okay. So this is funny. Okay. Gang, we're going down a rabbit hole, but this is why you tune in. Okay. So you know that my wife and I are, are doing this, this Halloween movie marathon and we're doing all these classic movies. You mentioned Hills have eyes. That was on our, we the classic one from 77. That was on our list with And we, you mentioned these horror movies and I have to say, it's very rare in a podcast that we mention Amityville and horror movies uh, like that in the same thing. It, it, now I know someone from Amityville. So when I watch well, Amityville and, horror. And, and you know what? The Johnny Allweather drive-in wasn't that far from the Amityville horror. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, well, gang, I tell you, it's going to be an interesting road. We'll keep you posted on what's going on in the movie industry. And I have to say that, you, everyone who's affected by this pandemic, people losing their jobs, being furloughed, the theater shutting down. Uh, you know, we we are thinking about you. You're very in, important to our culture, our society, and I can't wait to be going back to the theater. But I will say this: I can tell you that I'm looking forward to seeing Soul because that is a great that 
that trailer when I saw it at D23 almost made me well up because it's about music and a musician looping back to looping back to to one about how music moves people. This film, like Disney Pixar always does, pull it on my heartstrings, my little heartstrings. Well, that's a good thing, though. You know, it's uh, it's grabbing us emotionally, and that's what films should be doing. Um, Skull Rock Podcast. Now for some real user power. Your weekly immersion into all things Disney. You know, there was one other thing I wanted us to talk about um, on the show, and that was uh, this um, uh, fund manager on Wall Street who sent a letter to Disney, to the board, uh, telling them that they should, or suggesting that they should uh, take the dividend money uh, that Disney normally would send out to the shareholders, take that dividend and put it towards content for Disney Plus, which I thought was interesting. But I also kind of thought to myself when I first saw that, I was like, you know, Disney just absorbed Fox's library. Um, They've got an incredible amount of content, but where is it? You know, why isn't it up, right? (laughs) Uh You know? So, yeah. So what what, what do you think? Yeah, why haven't they? Right, you know, there, taken there, so there's ton, there's tons of films in the, you know, in classic films. And by the way, there are an enormous. You know this as well as I do. Uh, the Disney fans, there's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, classic content uh, movies from the '50s and the '60s that you know uh, really should be put up uh, as quickly as possible, right? Agreed. Look, we you're at a time when you are trying to get people hooked to your streaming service. Disney is still behind Netflix. I know Netflix yeah. is still the monster juggernaut, and they're churning out great content, archival content, and things like that all the time. Some of it does live, and some of it Moves, you know, moves around, it shifts, you know, they have their vault as well. You know, you can't see some movies all the time. And I understand, but uh, it would be good on them to just start, you know, billboarding the fact that, hey, look, we're here. We've got Fox content other than The Simpsons, and we're going to we're going to put it on the uh, the Mm -hmm. service. And if not that, at least put it on the Hulu bundle, because Hulu is also a service that's growing and. There was word now that CBS All Access is being changed to Paramount Plus, and Paramount's going to be, they are going head to head, right? Yeah, right? Where did that idea should, come should from? We, should we call this Skull Rock Plus? I know, right? Or Skull Rock Podcast Plus? I know, right? Everybody seems to be throwing a plus on Tendi. I mean, that's like the, the I, I, I laughed when I heard that they're calling, para, calling it Paramount Plus. Well, you got to be kidding me. I laughed too, but they could call it the, United Paramount Network instead. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was that that didn't last very long, but no, I will, no, I, will it didn't. I, I will say I will say yes, it was a very I you know, me too, I, you know, in in a different sense of the word me too. Like let's just if you can't beat them, let's join them. Let's call it Paramount Plus. Really? You couldn't just call it Paramount All Access? Just leave it with All Access. You already spent 
millions of dollars branding at that. Why don't you just leave at that? You know, I, I, I'm wondering, though, maybe somebody's going to come along and do something different. Maybe it'll be MGM minus. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know? <laughs> right? To the power of for the cubed to yeah. cubed. The cubed. Really? Sony divided. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The Sony Pythagorean theorem. You know, something. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, just, honestly, you know, who else is going to add plus to the end of their name? I, I mean, for crying out loud. I don't know. It's 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 crazy where this is going. But the streaming service wars are in full effect, gang. And if they want our money, they need to come up with great content. And they need to do it because there's so many great networks and, and streaming services where you can spend your money. Do you want to spend it on Sling? Do you want to spend it on Disney Plus or Hulu or, or a combination yeah. of both or Amazon, right? So those things are important. And uh, I'm, I'm, are you glad that they're, they're, they're lobbying for this? Is this something that, you know, I'm no, sure you're- you know something I, I look, I, I think that Disney plus needs to have more content. They need to put more original content up, but let's not forget that there is a deep, deep library of material. And the problem I find and having worked at Disney for so many years is that there are a lot of people over there that actually don't even know what they own. Uh, that's, and that's true. I think at most studios, uh, you know, I remember when I was working on the Oswald, the lucky rabbit book, uh, um, you know, when, uh, when Bob Iger, uh, engineered getting, uh, Oswald, the lucky rabbit, the, the Disney 26 Disney directed cartoons back to the company, universal didn't even know they owned it. They literally, the top executives were asking, "One, do we own that?" You know, nobody knew that they owned it, and and Universal's another one of these companies that's been around for you know nearly a hundred years or so, and uh, they've got a tremendous vault of material. And I'm willing to bet, especially on the animated characters and the IP that they had that they own, I'm sure that there's a bunch of folks over there that don't even know that they own some of this stuff. Well, you know, but even further down into the organizations, there's a lot of people that I'm telling you, they don't have the depth of knowledge of the libraries, of the material they have. You know, there's a ton of stuff uh, in the Disney library that could easily be brought out and put onto uh, uh, the streamer uh, just from the standpoint that there's a lot of people out there that want to see it. You know? I've, I've said all the time that when Disney plus happened, they got to put the Disney vault, you know, treasures and, uh, you know, in there because my wife and I did collect those DVDs for a long time. Sure. And I, I still, I still haven't finished watching uh, the Mickey mouse club. Like I still, I've got tons of episodes and tons of different, just old Disney things that I just put on in the background when I'm watching and, I just loved watching that stuff and I, I still haven't been able to, to watch all of it. I still, you know, there's so much content on Disney plus, but we just want more fans just want more and they want it at their finger 
fingertips. They want that accessibility when they sign up for Disney Plus, and they have that expectation. So I, I'm sure ultimately they'll get there. But man, do they have a lot of content with Fox? Yeah, but you know something? Yes, they will get there. Yes, there's going to be there's already a lot of stuff up there. But I, you know, look when when that letter was sent to the board about them dumping three billion, you know, the three billion dollar dividend into content for Disney Plus, I, I just thought to myself you know, why don't you just spend whatever you need to spend right now? And it's not billions. I mean, we're talking probably, you know, uh, uh, the uh, cost of people actually getting the material out of the vault and format it so that it's available on the channel. You know, I mean, that, that to me is, is what they need to do. And especially during this pandemic, because, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, we have watched so much stuff over the last six months and now we're starting to like search for things like, wait, you know, like <laughs> Amen, I wish such and such was up or this was up. And, you know, it's uh, it's becoming, you know, uh, a, a place where you've got people cooped up in their homes and they're watching tons of content. So, yeah, there may be a lot of stuff up on Disney Plus, but there's also a lot of people who have been sitting around watching it all. So no, you're right. You're need right. To put more stuff up quicker. Yep. Yeah, right. Amen. I'll I'll agree to that. And I will say this: that my wife and I have never watched so many crime documentaries and horror movies in our life. <laughs> uh, this has been an unprecedented time here at the Go House for sure. Hey, <laughs> Dave. Fantastic. Have, have you heard that they're going to be doing a live action Space Mountain? Did you read that? Yes, I did read that. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? But you know what? Look, I'm not going to pass judgment because, uh, you know, I think, you know, some people rolled their eyes when they first said they were going to make a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And I love that franchise. I think they did a fantastic uh, job on all of the uh, pirate movies uh, that have come out to date. Uh, I know they're doing a remake of the Haunted Mansion movie. Uh, They had already done one with uh, Eddie Murphy. It was directed by uh, Rob Minkoff, who was one of the directors of Lion King. Um, You know, I I, I sort of tend to, uh, you know, maybe wince a little bit when I read those kinds of headlines. When I when I saw the headline "Space Mountain uh, Movie Coming," and I thought, "Uh oh," you know. And, and by the way, anytime I hear "Space Mountain," I flash back to the mid seventies when uh, my entire family went to Walt Disney World. Uh, and we went on, uh, space, I guess it was 76. Yeah, it was 1976. And they had just, I think Space Mountain had been open a year, uh, down there. And I remember we went on that multiple times in a row. And I kept saying, you know, to my brother and my two sisters, come on, you know, let's go on again. And we just kept getting online. And I think after the third time, my sister Caroline threw up in a flower bed, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're there, folks. That's why they're there. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's interesting, but, you know. I yeah, I'm sorry, Dave. But, but you know, I, I was just going to say uh, they're they're starting with a with, with basically a concept uh, based on the ride. Space Mountain doesn't have any theme other than space. So, but you know, they are no, tied. But there is a there is a cool story, and I'm I'm glad you said that yeah, because yeah because the space stations. I, I love this. So offhand Disney on YouTube. I love that channel. It's a great channel. Did not only how um, was it uh, how the haunted mansion and John Lafitte and all those you know things are all uh, in New Orleans and the haunted mansion how they're all kind of tied in and then you know the storytelling throughout that park but all the space stations throughout all the Disney parks are tied in it's amazing like I love that story it's so cool that they all are different space stations and they're all linked up to this warp transit thing that they do uh, going through the wormhole. And yeah, I I think it's a super cool thing, but I don't know. I I, I will say this Tomorrowland was a very underrated film. I did like it. I enjoyed it. And I was hoping to get more from that in terms of what Tomorrowland was. So maybe the space mountain is better and and good. I'll be all for it. Um, I'm, I'm hey, making, look, I, I'm going to go see it in the theaters when go. it comes out, you know, and I'm hoping that, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, build a really great franchise around Space Mountain like they built around Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, Joby Harold, whose credits include King Arthur, Legend of the Sword and Zack Snyder's upcoming Army of the Dead, is writing the script and uh, with their with spouse, uh, Tori Tunnel and their safe house pictures banner and it's going to be headed by um uh, dan lynn and jonathan eric who is also producing so this is interesting um it looks like they have a pretty good crew there uh yeah. so and harold is writing uh, and producing the obi-wan star wars series for disney plus and john wick chapter yeah. three so i mean He's got. Yeah, they got some. They've got some people. Yeah, there, there's some people with uh, some depth to them uh, involved, and you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what what else you got for us, Dave? What's on the table there? My gosh, you know, I had uh, I had somebody uh, uh, ping me on on Facebook uh, asking about an Oswald series, uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And my understanding is that they are doing some new Oswald cartoons that are going to be in the same vein as the uh, new Mickey Mouse cartoons. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, I I think that's fantastic. I mean, I, I hope they're doing it. And I, and I do hope that um, they're actually trying to um, uh, do more with the character. He's such a great character. The art style has grown on me. The art, I, I the, like it. I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I, I like the take on it. I think it was well done. And uh, I really enjoyed those new Mickey cartoons. And, Same. Uh, you know, frankly, uh, if they're going to do the treatment to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, uh, more power to them. That's what they need, Dave. They need to have the new figurines come out all in that art style. And then I'd collect all of them. <laughs> yeah, they, they really should. You know, that's great. You know what I liked? You know, you, you were involved with Epic Mickey, right? 
Um, no, I was, I, I mean, cursory from the standpoint that I gave them notes on some okay. of the character designs, I thought, but I, I thought, uh, they didn't uh, listen to me. Oh, so. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I thought, I thought that you may have been involved in Epic Mickey because I, 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 I seem to remember that, but I was going to say, because, um, you know, that was also very stylized caricature or character drawings as well, um, for those characters. So. I don't know. I, I, I like it. That's another franchise, video game franchise they, they can definitely bring back. I'd be all about some Epic Mickey for sure. You know, the problem there was the first one was, was you know, did really well out of the gate. And then when they did the follow up on it, the, the second one, it, it just, you know, hit the ground with a thud. You know, I think they, so. waited, they may have waited too long. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, it's possible. But, uh, you know, there, there doesn't uh, seem to be staying power on certain things like that. Uh, whereas, you know, you turn around and it's, uh, you know, you're, you're five pirate movies into something, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, I'll tell you what has done well for Disney, though, in terms of Disney video games using their IP, their characters, is uh, Kingdom Hearts. People yes. still love that Kingdom Hearts franchise a lot. Yeah. So uh, maybe more on that to come. Uh, I the, the slate of films had gotten pushed back, and I just wanted to let everyone know there there'd been uh, a lot of different casting rumors for Marvel films recently. Uh, you and I were talking before the show started rolling, Dave, that Jamie Foxx is coming back. Speaking of Soul, right? So Jamie, Jamie yeah. Foxx uh, is voicing the character in Soul, is coming back into the MCU uh, originally played Electro in the Sony Spider-Man films that are not part of this uh, franchise, the MCU as a whole, now is supposedly coming back in some way in the new Spider-Man film that is also going to be starring Benedict Cumberbatch. So he's going to have a role in the film as a, I guess, as a Tony Stark type mentor, which is fine because he did that in the comic books as well. And, and uh, we like Benedict Cumberbatch here on the show. So that's going to be fun. This Spider-Man yes. 3 is going to be fully loaded. Yes, yes. And uh, awesome uh, with, uh, I think, um, uh, for Doctor Strange 2, uh, you're, you're going to have uh, a guest appearance uh, by... Um, uh, had it too. Yes, I, I've literally just had a brain fade. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. from. Ryan Reynolds from, uh, <laughs> from Deadpool. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be doing a Deadpool uh, cameo. Uh, yeah. So that that's exciting. It is. I mean, this is an exciting time. And apparently there's a lot of uh, news regarding Thor, Love and Thunder, and all the different things that, that how they're going to try to intertwine themselves. You know, once again, it's all connected in the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yes. So Black Widow is coming out in May of 2021, followed by Shang-Chi. Uh, someone asked me if I was excited about Shang-Chi, and I said, am I? I love Bruce Lee. I love kung fu films. That whole vibe of the, those <laughs> Bruce Lee films, that is me. I'm Chinese Filipino, and it's nice to see someone Asian on the film, on, on yes. the movie. So Shang-Chi, I'm excited about. Um, and, of course, the tie-in the, the tie with Iron Man. Uh, Eternals with Angelina Jolie on November 5th. December will be um, the Spider-Man sequel, which will be nice. 
And then uh, February 11th of 2022, we've got Love and Thunder, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, the 25th, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness with all the cast of characters in the kitchen sink is going to be thrown in that one. May 6th, Black Panther 2, who knows what's going to happen uh, with that film. We're going to find out shortly because I'm sure they're going to have a casting announcement. And July 8th is Captain Marvel 2, and who knows where that film's going to stand. Um it- and, you know, the interesting thing is, like, you know, with, with all the previous Marvel films, you had, like, 19 films that all tied together into that final, uh, 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 you know, uh, battle with uh, Thanos. Uh, Thanos. Yeah. And, uh, and so I almost feel like it's kind of nice having a little bit of a breather here, uh, even though, you know, I, I would have preferred it not have been pandemic related, but <laughs> right. the pandemic has given us this breather of, uh, these new, uh, superhero movies. And so next year, I think, you know, theaters are going to be packed with some of these films all next year, uh, as they come out. And, uh, and I hope they do the same thing i hope there's like the next 15 or 20 of these you know superhero movies are all building to one big epic battle you know which well, that's uh, it. is just incredible i love it absolutely i can't wait um you know there is a new disney plus uh movie that's going to be released this week it's called clouds have you heard of this no, I haven't heard about this one. Right. So director Justin Baldoni and Wayfarer Studios is putting out this brand new movie. Um, and and uh, this uh, is going to be starring Finn Argus and Sabrina Carpenter. Uh, they are Disney uh, Disney actors. They've done a lot of stuff yep. for the Disney Channel. Yep. And they have a new soundtrack. I think uh, I'm going to try to play a little bit from this for you. So uh, take a listen. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a you know a a really cool. Yeah, anytime they do music, I'm always into it. You know, I was into camp rock as an adult. I was into camp rock because it's just fun. <laughs> you know, you have kids playing guitar. That's what I did. I, I go back and I think to myself, hey, I remember when I, you know how cool would it be to be in a in a summer camp with a bunch of people and being a rock band, right? Absolutely. You know? And so, I anytime people are playing guitar and enjoying and making music, I'm all about it. But this is inspired by a true story. A poignant and beautiful look at the heartbreaking duality of life and a testament of what can happen when you start to live each day like it might be your last. Uh, Zach Sobich, played by Finn Argus, is a 17-year-old fun-loving student with raw musical talent living with ostracoma, a rare bone cancer. And at the start of his senior year, he's ready to take on the world. However, when he receives the news that his disease has spread, he and his best friend and songwriting partner, Sammy, played by Sabrina Carpenter, decide to spend Zach's limited time following their dreams. With the help of his mentor and teacher, Zach and Sammy are given the chance of a lifetime and are offered a record deal, along with the support of his life, uh, with his, uh, of his life and his parents. And Zach will be embarking on an unforgettable journey about friendship, love, and the power of music. That sounds interesting. I yeah. uh, I hope that there's a miracle cure at the end. Oh well, we'll hope. Um, but yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see this because it, it, when the the picture itself reminds me of A Star Is Born. 
right? Because that's yeah. that's the image that they're trying to invoke is the the male female dynamic brought together by music and singing and and playing on stage. So it seems to me it's like a star is born meets a walk to remember, you know, <laughs> kind of got that vibe. But uh, anyway, that movie is coming out later this week. So be on the lookout for it when it hits Disney plus another awesome. thing, by the way, hitting Disney plus speaking of music, if you didn't know high school musical, the musical, the holiday special is coming out. And I was mentioning this uh, to my wife the other day. I remember so many, so many years ago when High School Musical was at its zenith, we would go into Disney Hollywood Studios and the the floats of the 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 cheerleaders and the basketball players would go by, and that music was so addictive. I kept on singing. We're all of this together <laughs> in my head over and over again because it's so darn catchy. You know, and, that was one of those projects that, uh, you know, they they didn't uh, anticipate it exploding the way it did. I don't think anyone did. You know, no. it's like Frozen. You always thought Frozen was going to be a great film. And then you were like, oh, my Lord, that song is everything to everybody everywhere. Right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, I mean, speaking of Frozen, I mean, Frozen, that movie was really the, it was the music. Yes. You know, that that's what grabbed everybody. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it just took off from there. But but speaking of, you know, f- like High School Musical, which, you know, nobody anticipated was going to be huge. The same thing with Lion King, the yes. Lion King back in the 90s. You know, there were people when it was in production, it was troubled in production. There were artists who didn't, there was animators who didn't want to work on it. People who wanted to bypass Lion King and go on to Pocahontas and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And now look at it. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, more than 25 years uh, since uh, the, you know, the, the animated film. The, it's been on Broadway for more than 20 years, you know. Uh, well, and yeah. uh, I mean, just, uh, I'm, and by the way, here's a little fact for you. Lion King on Broadway has grossed more money than all of the Star Wars movies put together. Oh my lord! That's How's a lot. that? That's that's amazing. a crazy. That's a crazy fact, huh? That's amazing. But that's the power of music, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. I mean, yeah. and you mentioned Broadway. I mean, obviously, Broadway is going to be shut down for a long time. Seemingly. Yeah, they they this past week they they've extended it now to May thirtieth. Yeah. That so originally I think they were going to try and reopen at the end of April. Now it's gone to uh, May thirtieth. They've pushed it out uh, another uh, two months. Well, something that you won't have to wait two months for is going to be December eleventh when High School Musical, the musical, the holiday special, uh, drops on Disney Plus December 11. Mark your calendar because the cast of the series is going to be feeling, making you get the feels, uh, getting ready for Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's with the ha- uh, the fondest holiday memories with this special. It's 45 minutes. It will have a sneak performance from the highly anticipated second season of the series. All the regulars are going to be there from the show you know and love. And they say, quote, All right. The executive producer, Tim Federley, says the holidays remind us of the universal importance of family and loved ones. The cast of High School Musical, the musical, the series and its own kind of family are delighted to have the opportunity to share this holiday music and special tradition with all of its viewers. So uh, you can start actually checking that out um, 
I think they're going to drop it uh, November. Yeah, I said November 20th. So there they go, man. I mean, another another holiday special waiting in the wings. Holy moly. I've, I, we have talked about so much stuff. We certainly on have. this episode. And I do want to uh, mention to our listeners that uh, on our next episode, episode three, uh, <laughs> we're going to have a special guest, Mark Waters, the six-time Emmy-winning composer, conductor, uh, is going to be on to talk. We're going to talk about Fantasia because, you know, we all know that this year is the 80th anniversary of Fantasia. It's also the 20th anniversary of Fantasia 2000. Uh, so I'm excited that we're going to have him on next week to, uh, um, to talk all things music. Uh, we're going to talk about not only Fantasia, but we're just going to talk about music in Disney films in general. That's going to be great. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I want to remind people please email us your questions or, or just tell us you like the show. I mean, we, we'd like to hear that too. You can email us at <laughs> Dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Aljongo at skull, skullrockpodcast.com as well. Uh, we're also on social media. Uh, so you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, what else do we have? I think we're yeah. wrapping Wrapping yeah. this up quickly, huh? Yeah, that's basically it, Dave. I mean, yes, come on out, uh, s- subscribe to the show. Coming, uh, we just dropped on iTunes, so <laughs> amen to that. Like, I'm, I'm all about that. So, and uh, it's on Apple now. Yeah, uh, you there know, you when, go. when I put it out on social media, some people came back with, like, I can't find it on Apple. Well, apparently, it takes about a week to populate <laughs> up onto uh, the Apple platform, whereas some of the other platforms get to do it a lot quicker. I guess the bigger you are, the slower it is. I guess that's what happens, man. This is so much bureaucracy we are a juggernaut know? they are a juggernaut <laughs> and they're they're contending with us now the skull rock podcast crew so thank you so much dave it's great to talk to you it's our weekly visit i love it uh once again please don't forget to subscribe to the show and tell all your friends about it. if they're into movies films and streaming we're going to cover more of that and of course all the great disney news uh especially for the entertainment side of things man this is it's always great to talk to you and i'm looking forward to our guests so thank you once again to our big supporter on anchor.fm Lindsay, you get a gold star you are our top fan and once again you can also help the show out as well by becoming a fan and supporting us through anchor so in the meantime thank you yes. thank you Lindsay. i want to say thank you yes <laughs> give her a shout out yay yeah and if you're interested um, in sponsoring the show just send us an email as well and and we'll definitely sit down and we'll talk this is just the beginning of an awesome series of shows, this podcast. I, I love talking to Dave, and we appreciate you listening to us. So uh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Skull Rock Podcast Plus uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on all your uh, podcast platforms. There you so, go. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you.